On today's show, me and DG will be joined by a special guest to shoot the shit, talk the bourbon trail, and of course, end it with your listener questions. And here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Sip and Serve podcast, where we sip what's cold and serve what's hot. My name is Clay Roll, a.k.a. Rolski. To my right is my guy, Corey with the K on the ones and twos. And across the table is my main man, DG. What it do, Rolski? What's up, brother? And for the first time ever on the Sip and Serve podcast, we are joined by a very very special guest. He is one of our closest friends and one of the funniest fuckers you'll ever meet. Y'all better buckle up for this one. He goes by the name of T.J. Pierce. Welcome to the pod, Pierce. Glad to have you. How you been? It's been a while, man. Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, first, want to say is uh, it's an honor to be on this show. First guest ever. Let me ask you this, Pierce. You've been listening to the first two episodes? Yep. I listened to both of them and uh, when they first came out. Good deal. You enjoy them? I did. Good, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be on the fucking show. <laughs> well, TJ, we're glad to have you. Um, I want to officially welcome you to the show. You're going to put your mark on episode three of the Sip and Server podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. You're on the hot seat, bro. <laughs> With that being said, thanks again. Let's get right into it. A listener sent in a question a week or two ago. I'm not sure. I, I kind of forget, really. I thought it was a good enough question to have its own segment. So, Dylan, TJ, riddle me this. What's something you've done that you wouldn't want your parents to know about? It can be anything. What's something that you've done you wouldn't want your mom or dad to know that you've done? Um that I can remember is a time when I was stuck on the island at Putin Bay. I uh, think I think me and DG might have been with you. I was there. Yeah, we had a group of us. Uh, we took the Jet Express okay. over to Putin Bay from Port Clinton. Uh, we started day drinking, uh, and then somehow in the evening we got split up in groups. And you know we're all, we're all having a good time. Some people's watching sports. You know, some people's dancing, and, uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Oh, I can amen to that, brother. Absolutely. So, you know, I, you know, I'm having a good time, and I look down at my phone, and it's, you know, midnight or later or something. Yeah. I got all these missed calls. So, wait, I think the last, the last ferry back to Port Clinton left at what? 11.55? It was like it was 11, you had to board at 11.55, and it's leaving no later than 12.01. It was gone at 12. It was it was gone by midnight, and that was the last ferry of the night, right? Last one. Yeah, so I don't have a ride back to the mainland. So what did you do? So, at you're, so you're at this point, you're stuck, so right? I, yeah. So I don't know what time I recognize that. I don't know if it was midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I don't know. I would say it was probably later. It, it probably was. But I was having a ball, a good time. Obviously. And, uh, you know, probably 
two or three comes around and I'm probably like, oh, shit, I got to do something. Yeah, I'd say you oughta. So I checked a couple hotels. They were fully booked. I mean, I'm out of luck. So, so then, I, then I uh, I go down an alley and I'm like, do I just sleep here? Like you're homeless? Yeah. So you're about sleep, to sleep, sleep in, in an alley yeah. on the island. Correct. Ooh. So then I walk a, walk around to that largest bar. Uh, Beer Barrel Saloon. Beer Barrel Saloon. And uh, there, there's another bar on a side road and they got rocking chairs. And, and it may be a hotel as well. So I'm like, maybe I'll just sleep on the chair. So you're going, you, so your plan was to sleep in a rocking chair. Rocking chair. Oh, yeah. So what happened then? So then I'm just rocking, just you know, eventually trying to go to sleep, and all of a sudden I see my shirt. What do you mean your shirt? What happened to your shirt? So wait, are you sitting in the rocking chair without a shirt on? I had a t-shirt on. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so it's like an so over shirt. How did you see your shirt? Um. Well, at one time we were dancing with some women or something okay. and uh, my button up flower shirt that I had on yeah uh, ended up on another gal all right another, <laughs> another gal all right okay so you're back in the rocking chair this girl walks by with your flower shirt on what do you do I said that's my shirt <laughs> <laughs> so what did she say she said no <laughs> So you say, that's my shirt. She turns and says, no, this isn't your so shirt. So how did you prove it? So I said, I said, okay, here, I got to explain my situation. I said, my buddies left on the ferry. What'd you say? It was like, oh, it was midnight. 11, it, was, it, was it was midnight. Yeah. The last ferry leaves. Yep. So they're back. They're in bed you're, on the mainland. You're stuck. I'm stuck. My phone's dead. I got nowhere to sleep tonight. Obviously, all the hotels are booked. I need to stay somewhere. Let me stay on the floor or something. Like, just let me crash. So these girls had a hotel there on the island. They did. Okay. So you're just asking, hey, can I chill on your floor? Yeah, just, I mean, it's better than just being outside. It's better than the alley, like you said. Yeah. Okay, so did you end up sleeping on the floor? I did. Okay, and then who all was in the hotel room? Was it just women or was there guys there? It was just women. Oh, boy. Okay, so the next morning, what did you do? Uh, I got up pretty early. They were all asleep, and uh, I was trying to dodge out of there. Uh, but when I woke up and was like, you know, like. You going to say thanks? thanks. You going to say bye? Yeah. You, you, how, yeah. yeah, so I'm like, dude, thank you for letting me stay. I'm going to run down to the convenience store down here and give you guys a case of beer. So Did they I, enjoy that? I don't know, but I ran down there, bought him a case of beer, ran it up, left it to him. Thank you. And uh, headed out and got a ticket because obviously my ticket was... Yeah, it wasn't good. Wasn't any good. Because you missed your 12 o'clock ferry exactly. by like six, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so you caught the early ferry, the early morning ferry back. Exactly. And then all of us were pissed when you got back to the island. At you because you decided to stay. Well, I was, I remember I was a mixture of pissed and relieved that he wasn't dead. Yeah. See, we couldn't, yeah, I know, but I was kind of pissed because he didn't, he didn't answer. Everybody, everybody on the freaking boat tried to call him a hundred times and he didn't answer. 
So did he get kidnapped? Is he asleep in an alley? Or is he asleep in a rocking chair with his only his t-shirt on and the girl's walking around with his freaking flower shirt and he sleeps on their freaking hotel bedroom? How do we know that? But, you know, we were glad you're okay. Dylan, what's your story, brother? So I remember I lived with my parents until, well, I, you know, until I moved out for college, but I still came back and lived with my parents in the summertime. But I remember being like 17, 18 years old. We'd be sitting at the dinner table just to just kind of feel it out. I, I would say, Dad, what would you do if I came home with a tattoo tomorrow? He'd say, well, I'd, I'd look and, you know, I'd see what, what kind of tattoo you got. You know, I'd check it out a little bit. And uh, once I did that, I'd tell you to find a new place to live. <laughs> and I'd say, okay, right. okay, point right. taken. Yeah, great. So basically, he said, if you're going to get a tattoo, you need to be living under your own roof because I ain't supporting you. I think last, last it was last fall I got my first tattoo. And I don't think they, I still don't think they know about it. And it's nothing, nothing crazy. You know, it's just a little tattoo here inside of my bicep. But I don't think they know about it. And uh, if they found out, I don't think they'd have too big of a problem with it. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I was about old. to say, you're 31 fucking years I'm old. I'm 31 years old. I think they'll old. be all right. I'm, no. Yeah, I'm living under my own roof. I'm married, supporting myself. I got man. a career. I got, I'm married. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's. A 31-year-old getting a tattoo is a lot different than a 17-year-old getting a tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, it's something that I don't think they know about. So there you go, tattoo. Yeah, and I can connect with that story, too, because my dad was the same way. You know, um, my brother, he he had a lot of tattoos, and I always asked my dad, I said, hey, you know, I want one, too. And he said the same thing your dad did, you know, no, no. If you do, you're kicked out of the house. You know, I was 18 at the time, so I could, you know. But, you know, like I said, I mean, you're 31. I'm getting ready to turn 30 in July. And, I mean, you've seen my arm. I got a hell of a tattoo on my arm right now. I just kind of said, fuck it. I showed him. He looked at me and kind of said, what the hell did you do that for? <laughs> and that was it. I mean, he did. that's all he said. He goes, what the hell did you do that for? Well, you know why. You're a man. You yeah. make your own decisions. Exactly. Okay. And, Go and, ahead, Pierce. And I think at, at 31 versus 18, I mean, you're mature. You, you probably analyzed it or thought it through to okay this has got a little more sentimental value to it yeah yeah i, like I mean if, if you want me to go in a little bit more detail about it i mean this was a tattoo that I, it's kind of like a matching matching tattoos that my sister and i got so it's like a brother sister kind of thing but yeah yeah i mean so yeah it does have a little more significant sentimental value than yeah, and if it's, if, honestly, Pierce, I would have never have got one if it wasn't for Kobe's death. Mine's for Kobe, so it was sentimental to me, too. So, Okay, so before I get started on my story, I'm just going to start off by saying this. It's stupid. It was dumb. And if there's any kids out there listening, high schoolers, junior high kids, don't do what you're about to hear. And, mother, I know you listen. I'm sorry. Okay, so it's my freshman year. I'm going to try to lay it out here. My freshman year. Okay, so I'm just I'm just a pipsqueak. I'm 15 years old. I'm hanging out with some older guys. Uh, say probably, say a few of them are sophomores, a few of them are juniors. They have their license. Okay. So we go to this party one night. And I can't remember if it was at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year because I remember it was kind of hot. So it was either at the beginning or end, September or May. I don't, I can't remember. So we go to this party, 
and the guys are like, hey, man, there's going to be there's gonna be a lot of alcohol here, you know. There's going to be a lot of alcohol here. You know, I'm a freshman. I'm like, shit, you know. I've never been around this before. So, you know, I'm kind of getting blotchy. You know, I get kind of nervous because I'm, I'm a freshman. I'm the youngest kid probably there. That's a blotchy situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm nervous. I'm walking in with my guys. And uh, everybody's just like, oh, shit, who's the freshman? Who's this guy? And, you know, I introduced myself. There's a few guys I didn't. I know most of them, but... There's a few guys I didn't know, so I introduced myself. And then throughout the night, it just kept getting wilder and wilder and wilder. Like, there's these, there was just these girls. And, I mean, I'm a freshman. Keep in mind, there was these girls there. I mean, they were just wilding out, dude. I mean, they were they were just, like, on the pool table, chugging beers, drinking liquor, just wilding out. And I'm just sitting over there in the corner like, holy fuck, so this is what high school's like, huh? So I'm sitting over there like, shit, I've never seen anything like this before. My spring dance wasn't nothing like this. So that that's going on, you know, and you know, yeah, I did, I did dabble. I did dabble in a little bit of beer that night. Uh, at that point, I wasn't a big drinker. It's my freshman year, right at the beginning, I think it was. And I, I mean, I, I thought beer was nasty, but I didn't want to feel like the pussy over there in the corner, not drinking. So, you know, yeah, give me a fucking beer. So, you know, I drink a few sips of it and like, fuck shit sick. So I, you know, I put it down. I'm, you know, I might've went outside and actually kind of, poured a little bit of it out because I, I I didn't want to drink it because it wasn't that good at the time. So, you know, I come back into the party and everybody's just getting plastered. So it's about time. It's about time to go to sleep. And, <clears throat> you know, the lights go out. People are starting to wind down and these girls are still at the place. I'm like, huh, girls are sleeping over tonight, huh? How about that? So the girls are sleeping over. So everybody's sleeping on the floor. There was there was there was no couches. No, I think there might have been a couch or two, but most of the people were sleeping on the floor. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I'm laying there. It's probably a half hour goes by, and I'm just hearing. Oh no! And I'm like, what the fuck? I said, what? There's just everybody's just making out. Everybody's making out, and I'm just like, fuck! This is a big ass orgy. And I'm sitting over here, me and my other buddy, there ain't, we're not with no girls or nothing. We're just sitting over here in the corner like, dude, this is getting fucking weird. Let's get out of here. So we go outside. We get on the, uh, there was a balcony. So uh, we're out on the balcony and he's like, hey man, you want to smoke a black and mild? I'm like, never have, but I will. So we fire up a black and mild. We start smoking the black and mild and I'm coughing my lungs out because I don't know how to do it. I'm a freshman, 15 years old, smoking a black and mild, trying to be cool at a high school party. Couldn't drink a beer. Now I'm smoking black and milds. Whatever. So one of my one of my best friends is out in his car at this point. And like I said, it was it was it was still kind of hot because it's September, I believe. And then we see him coming in, coming in the house out of his car because he was hot. And the house is AC. So he walks in, comes in, lays down. And me and my buddy get this bright. At this point, dude, this is like 4:35 a.m. in the morning. I mean, it's late, and we're not sleeping in there because we were, people were making weird-ass noises, and, I mean, you could probably imagine what they were doing in there. So I, me and him are sitting on the balcony, and we see our friend walk in. We go, I'm kind of hungry. How about you? I said, yeah, dude, I'm fucking starving. 4.30 in the morning, and he goes, I don't have my license, dude. We can't, we can't go nowhere. I don't even have a car. This guy was 17, and he's, he's like, man, I don't have a car. I don't have my license. I'm like, well, shit, neither do I. And he's like, well, we can't get none to eat. And I said, yeah, we can. He goes, he goes, what are you doing? I said, did you see him? He just walked in. I guarantee his keys are in his car, and he'll never know we took it. 
So I go down the stairs slowly because they're all asleep. We get in my buddy's car and he's 17 and I'm 15, I think 16 or 17. I'm 15 freshman. I was just like, I'm going to be the badass of this party. I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing here and I'm going to go get everybody something to eat. So when I get back, they're going to be like freshman of the fucking year. This guy brought us breakfast. That's a clutch move. That is a clutch move for a freshman. So I hop in the car, no license, no nothing. And I drive my happy ass all the way to Bridge Street, Tim Hortons. From Frankfurt, Tim Hortons. And we're coming down. We're coming down the exit ramp onto Bridge Street off 35. And the car breaks down. No. <laughs> I swear. The car broke down. The car, the doo, 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 and it stopped at the red light. <laughs> so I swear, dude, the car broke down. I wasn't ready for and that. And all freaking 15, there's two guys in the car with no license. I'm like, uh, you got to get over here, dude. At least you're 17. At least you're 17. He's like, no way, dude. I, I'm, I'm trying to get my license next month. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I'm taking the plunge for this when I'm going to juvie. And then I remembered I've rode in this car before. There was something weird you had to do to it. Like you had to, uh, you had to press the brake a few times. You had to move the, the gear shift in and out of park to drive, park to drive, park to drive, and you got messed with it. It was an older car. I tried it like three times, and then it was a red light, thank God. Then the son of a bitch turned green. Thank God there was no one behind me because I wasn't moving. And like I said, it was like 5.30 in the morning. There's no traffic on Bridge Street then. So I'm sitting there at the green light just pushing this gas pedal. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. No cops. No cops. Just start. And then, by the grace of God, here we go. Peeled out. Didn't mean to. I was just pressing the gas. Did a little burnout. Went down Bridge Street. Got like 110 bits. Brought him back to the party. And on the way home, he noticed his car was gone. So he started texting me. He noticed he noticed we weren't at the party. He's like, yep. them fuckers stole my car. He was pissed. I mean pissed. And uh, I just said, we're on our way back. We're on our way. I didn't tell him we had breakfast because I knew that was the way to his heart. So we pulled down the road, and he's at the end of the driveway in his boxers with his shirt off ready to kick my ass, ready to pull me out of that car and just kick the shit out of me. And I pull in, and we drove by him. I wasn't stopping. I didn't drive. We drove by. So here he comes. He's, he's kind of jogging down the driveway. He's ready to fight. And all I do is hold the 10 bits out the window. The golden goose. The golden goose. Hold him out the window. Then the smile on his face, I'll never forget. He went from the most pissed off, grumpy, hungover, drunk you could imagine to the happiest guy in the world. 110 bits. And we took him upstairs, and everybody ate, and everybody was happy. Well, I'd imagine he was also a little relieved to see his his automobile in one piece. Well, that too, that too. But, uh, you know, freshman just trying to spread the joy in the morning. Bub. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic story. I was kind of disappointed I couldn't drink beer then. It makes me sad now that I can drink beer. But back then, man, freshman... I couldn't drink worth of shit. And it was kind of, I was kind of disappointed in myself looking back at it. But you know what? I got everybody breakfast. So that's that. You're the hero. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess I could say I was the hero, but not really. Anyways, that's just one story out of a million. I have plenty more for another day. Maybe you guys will get to hear those sometime. We'll see. Moving on to our main segment of the podcast today. TJ, this is the reason we called you in, brother. We're going to take a little trip down the bourbon trail. I know all of you guys here tonight love you some bourbon. I personally don't. I'm mostly a strict beer diet, but when it comes to drinking alcohol, that's okay. I like beer. You like bourbon. 
It's not all about me. I'm positive we'll have some fun with this conversation, and the listeners will too. Now, to get started, I want to know how and when both of you first started drinking bourbon. I would say the first time I started drinking bourbon was back in college, uh, probably a little Jim Beam mixed with uh, some Pepsi or Coke. Uh, I, I probably didn't have a true passion for it at that time until we started uh, visiting the distilleries. What about you, Dylan? Yeah, I think he, TJ and I went to college at the same school, first of all. So we spent a lot of time together hanging out during those those years. But I think, yeah, that was my first exposure to bourbon. And I knew that there was whiskey, and then I knew there was bourbon. And I didn't really know the difference. Okay. But for whatever reason, I just kind of gravitated towards bourbon because I, I, you know, bourbon just has like a, I don't know, a, a better reputation, I guess. Okay. I didn't really know why, but, you know, if I have my choice between Jack Daniels and Jim Beam, for example, I'm probably going to gravitate towards Jim Beam just because it's a bourbon. But I didn't understand what made it a bourbon until years later. Okay. So let me ask you this. You were in college. You were drinking Jim Beam. You guys are mixing it. At that point in time, you say you were also picked that over Jack Daniels. Were you dabbling in other stuff besides Jim Beam while you were in college, or was it strictly Jim Beam? I mean, we, we drank anything in college. Oh, well, that's a good answer. <laughs> I mean, you, you're talking Natty to Bush Light. I mean, the beers, the yeah. cheap beers, but then, he, I mean, we would venture out into Everclear, I believe. Uh, I mean, I never... I heard too many horror stories about Everclear. I stayed away from that stuff, but I remember like getting the, just the cheap, cheap gas station forty proof Kamchatka vodka. Okay, so so you answered my question. So bourbon wasn't a big deal until later in your life after college. No, okay. Bur- bourbon was just another liquor. Okay, so I mean? yeah. so let's talk. Let's talk nowadays. You guys are thirty one years old. What's your favorite bourbon? Uh, uh that's a tough question. I mean. It depends on the mood you're in. I mean, if you're wanting a little something spicy, I mean, you may lean towards like a bullet um, or a, a Jim Beam. Or you maybe want something a little smoother, a little sweeter, maybe a, a Maker's Mark or Larceny or even a Weller's Green Label. Okay. Dylan, what about you? I mean, I agree with him. For me, it's it's a question of do I want to drink bourbon straight or do I want to mix it with, you know, Coke Zero or something like that? If I'm going to mix it, then I'm probably just going to go Jim Beam, you know, something basic, something generic. But if I'm going to sip it, I tend to like my bourbon a little smoother. So when, I, when I'm when i just sipping straight, um, I like Basil Hayden's, which is a Jim Beam bourbon if I'm not. Yeah, yeah it's a Jim Beam. You're correct. Yeah. Okay. So you guys kind of threw this out there already. You said spicy, smooth. And sweet, I believe. Are the, is that what it tastes like? All these different. There's different tastes to these bourbons. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's a there's a smell, there's a taste, there there's all kinds of characters from a bourbon. I mean, a lot of the taste comes from the barrel. Okay, fifty to seventy percent of a bourbon taste comes from that white oak barrel. Okay. Awesome. See, that's something I don't know, and I'm sure the listeners probably don't either. So that's good information. What are, I heard you guys say you like to drink it straight or you like to mix it. 
what are some different ways you like to drink your bourbon? Like, um, I've also, I, what, what exactly does like neat, what's neat mean? And then on that, on the rocks, I mean, uh, well, I'll, I'll take meat. Uh, I drink my bourbon neat all the time. I mean, occasionally I'll, I'll have a mint julep or, or throw a little bit of lemon in it, but, but back to the neat, it's room temperature. I mean, there, there's no additives, there's there's no water, no ice, and it, it's absolutely pure. So that's a man's drink, basically. So when you drink it neat, is that just like a, you do that at night while you're watching TV? Maybe uh, you're doing a little work home, you're at home and you're working on stuff for the next day? Or, I mean, when do you drink it neat? Is that like a weekend thing only? Maybe um, to relax during the week? I mean, I honestly am not a big whiskey bourbon drinker until fall and winter okay like i like drinking it when it's it's cold outside get your body warm yeah it it naturally warms you up okay i mean that throat down to your chest um you can't beat it all right dylan what about you so i like to have my bourbon neat occasionally uh not very often i'm more if i'm going to drink whiskey straight i like to have an ice cube or two so that's on the rocks, and then, but I find the majority of the time, I like to mix it. I like to mix it with a little bit of Coke Zero, Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Max, what you know, what have you. But um, for me, it just makes it a little bit smoother because I don't. I tend not to like my bourbons real spicy in general, so I feel like mixing them kind of smooths them out a little bit. Plus, I really like to taste the Coke and Pepsi. Okay, so a guy like me, who strictly drinks beer mostly like i said i'm on i'm on a i'm on a beer diet um when i drink a liquor i is is whiskey a liquor is that was is that all right to say yeah. Whis- whiskey's yeah. a liquor okay when i drink liquor i go for the jack daniels and coke or the crown and coke so have you guys ever dabbled in it? what's the dip i guess i should say what's the difference between a whiskey and a bourbon do you guys know i'll let i'll let tj take this one yeah, I mean, uh, bourbon has a lot of regulations. I mean, it, it has to be American-made. It can be in any state, although Kentucky will have, what, 95% or pl- plus distilleries. I mean, that, that's where your most of your bourbon's coming from okay. just because of the, the environment. Um, they have hot summers, cold winters. I mean the limestone filtered water i mean they have excellent water sources there so that that's why kentucky's a, a number one contributor um and then you have to have new charred white oak barrels and, and that's key there i mean they have to be new barrels how so, long how long does the bourbon sit in those barrels before it's poured into a bottle uh I believe it's four years. Um, four that, years. That's a minimum, right? Yeah, minimum. I, I, I believe. Um, don't don't fact check me. No, we don't fact check on this podcast ever. <laughs> so, I think. Go ahead, I mean, Noah. correct me if I'm wrong, TJ. But the longer a bourbon sits in the barrel, the more mellow it becomes. Uh, what do you mean by mellow? I guess the smoother it becomes, the less spicy it, it becomes. I. Uh, no, or maybe the more flavorful, more flavor. I was about I mean, to say the, the, when I think about it, it's kind of like moonshine. 
moonshine sits in the barrels long, right? In, in the moonshine, a process to if you want the best moonshine, they keep it in the jars or whatever for years and years and years. I always heard the older the better. Is that true? I'm not sure on the moonshine. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I just mean back to the bourbon. The longer it sits in the barrels, the better yes. it's going to be. Yeah, well, the longer it's going to go in and out of the barrel. Back to the warm summers and cold winters. Yeah. That's where it's going to, you know, go into the barrel and contract out of the barrel. Okay. And, and the more times it goes in and out, the more, I guess, smoother, more flavors you're picking up from that white oak. Okay. And also a big a big thing with bourbon, it has to be fifty one percent corn. I mean that's a big contributor as well. So I got this off the internet, and see if this um, relates to this conversation. Um, I did a little research, first time in a while for the podcast, but I, I just wanted to do a little research on this topic, and I got this. This is for only thing I got off of it. All bourbon is whiskey. But not all whiskey is bourbon. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, correct. I mean, you hit it on the head. What about you, Dylan? Can you relay off that? Yeah, I mean, like TJ was saying, there are certain stipulations that make a whiskey a bourbon. It's got to be American-made. Um, it's got to be in the newly charred oak barrels. Um, so when I drink Jack Daniels, it says Tennessee whiskey on it. So why is that a whiskey if it was made in uh, uh, America, I guess? Um, which, I mean, it can be made in Tennessee. A bourbon can be made yeah. in Tennessee, but um, apparently they're adding something to that barrel. To make it, to make it a whiskey, not yeah. a bourbon. Okay. I mean, they lose that label of a bourbon. It could also, it's possible that that whiskey could be aged in say a maple barrel like the the barrels made out of maple or the the barrels made out of elm or something like that for a bourbon to be a bourbon it's got to be aged in specifically oak wood barrels correct correct yeah okay so right. i got i got a question real quick so you mentioned limestone and why why so many bourbons are manufactured like so, so so much bourbons made in kentucky and you mentioned limestone can you talk a little bit more about that yeah like the bedrock in the ground of a limestone rock, the water will will run through that, and it naturally filters out the minerals from the water, especially iron. So then you got this pure water from the streams that they can they can use for making the bourbon. So basically that limestone acts as a natural filter and makes the water taste a little bit better. Correct. Okay. A, a little a little smoother, a little sweeter than uh water that we have up here or or elsewhere. Awesome. So hanging around with you guys just on the weekends and stuff, I've heard all about the bourbon trail several times. Can you explain to me, because I don't know, and the listeners, what exactly that is? What is the Bourbon Trail? The Bourbon Trail is mainly in, in Kentucky because, I mean, like I said, 95% of your distilleries are located there. So, I mean, you can hop to, to hop the different distilleries, you know, close by. I mean, there's a lot in Louisville, Lexington, a little bit south of Lexington. And then, you know, we're moving up in the northern part of Kentucky as well, 
what in the Newport as well. Okay. What what distilleries do you guys visit? When you're on the trail, you're traveling the trail, you go down there for a weekend trip. What distilleries are you guys hitting? I've hit a lot of them. Uh, one we like to go to is uh, Buffalo Trace. Uh, we've been there a few times. What exactly is Buffalo Trace? Is, is that's, a, that's a bourbon, a name of a bourbon? Yeah, it's out of Frankfort, Kentucky. Um, they do make a bourbon called Buffalo Trace. Um, they also make Blanton's, Weller, Sazerac, uh, Pappy, Eagle Rare, Eagle Rare. So when you when you go into this Buffalo Trace distillery, and you walk in the front door, what's it like? Tell me what you see in a distillery. I don't know what a distillery is. Tell me what you see. Um, first, you usually enter the gift shop um, and all the distilleries that you tour. So that's your first stop, and then your guide will take you. Either you're walking or a bus, and you'll you'll visit um, uh, the next stage in the process. They'll they'll walk you through the mashing, and and then they'll let you visit the fermentation tanks. And you can even you know dip your hand in those fermentation tanks to taste that sour mash. Get you a dab. Yeah, Dylan, you went on these trips with Pierce. What was your experience like? Yeah, I've been down there twice. Okay. I'll just say, like, before my first trip down the Bourbon Trail, I heard that term, that Bourbon Trail, Bourbon Trail, but I, you know, I heard that thrown around a lot amongst, you know, our friends and people we knew. And I thought, was this some kind of hiking trail through the woods? And you just, like, you come out of the woods and there's a distillery and you keep hiking a couple miles more and you come on another distillery. But basically, like, in my understanding, the Bourbon Trail is just like a cluster of distilleries. It's all somewhat in the same area of Kentucky, but you got to kind of drive to and from these different distilleries. I'm not sure how many distilleries there are down there. I've been to five, and I feel like these are the five big ones. I've been to Jim Beam, Buffalo Trace, Woodford Reserve, Wild Turkey, and Four Roses. And I know there's more than that, but I feel like those are like kind of the big five, the ones that you hear about most often. TJ, have you been to any, any other distilleries besides those five? Uh, did you say Maker's Mark? No, I haven't. Yeah, I've been there. That, that's a big one. Uh, uh, Willett, Barton, 1792, Heaven Hill, Bullet. Let me uh, ask you this, boys. What about a little name called Evan Williams? We have not. They got a distillery, though. We have not been From there. what I've seen. They when, do. That is a bourbon, and I haven't been there either. We have not. Okay. So, Dylan, go on with, uh, let's, let's get back to the distillery talk. When you guys go on this trip... How long does it usually take to get through one distillery? Well, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. You know, it's if you just want to go and kind of see the sights, and you can go on a tour at any one of these distilleries, but you don't have to. You know, if you just want to show up at the distillery, take a look around the gift shop, you know, from the gift shop, typically you can see where the rick houses are, which a rick house is where the barrels are stored to age. Okay. There's basically these huge pole barns where they keep all the barrels. But if you don't, you know, if you if you don't want to go on a tour, then you can just kind of tour the gift shop. Um, all the all the whiskeys that that distillery produces are on sale there at the gift shop. You can also show up to a distillery and just do a tasting. So you can basically sample all the different uh, bourbons that that distillery produces. 
But if you want to go on a tour, you know, that could be like an hour and a half to a two hour ordeal where they take you out on a tour of the grounds. They show you, you know, how they make, how they actually make the bourbon, where they store it. You can go into the rick house. You can see where the barrels are stored. You can see how it's bottled afterwards after it comes out of the barrel. I mean, it can get pretty uh, detailed. Like the tours can get pretty pretty intricate and they can get really get down to the nitty gritty of how the bourbon goes from the time when it's put in the barrel to the time when it gets put in the bottle and then it gets shipped out to the liquor stores. Okay. So here's another question for you two. When you say put into the bottle, there's something on the bottle that says proof. Explain what proof means, the percentage of the proof. The alcohol will go into the barrel at 125 proof or less. It's basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically moonshine that gets put into the barrel, right? Yeah, they the, sometimes they'll call it white dog um, because obviously it's it has no collar to it. White dog. Yeah. I've heard of red dog, the beer. <laughs> well, I'm a beer drinker, so of course I've heard of red dog. My dad used to drink it back in the softball days. You ever heard of white lightning? Yeah. It's moonshine, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically that's what they put in the barrel. It's just straight moonshine, and they put it in the barrel, and then while it's in the barrel, that's where it ages. It moves in and out of the wood. That's what gives it its color. That's what it kind of kind of mellows it a little bit. It ages it a little bit, and then once they take it out of the barrel, that's where they can proof it down to whatever proof they want it, want it to be after they bottle it. And then, you know, these distilleries, they have guys with master's degrees in chemistry that are you know, overseeing that whole process to where the they want to get the proof just right. Um, and then, they, you know, they oversee the bottling process and how that all works. And when you go on these tours of these distilleries, you, you see how that, that all works as well. Uh, and I want to step back, back to the proof um, during the distillation process. They never want to go higher than, as a bourbon, you can't go higher than 160 proof because then you're, you're, you're taking out the grains. Okay. I mean, your corn, rye, barley, wheat, whatever's in that formula. If, if you go a higher proof like gin, vodka, those type of liquors, you know, those have no flavor. So we don't want to have a higher proof like a vodka at 190, 200. We want to keep it down, you know, 160 or less to keep that grain flavor. And that's what's key with with whiskeys, uh, particular bourbon. Um, it, it keeps that that, that smooth, gr- smooth smooth taste, and you can still taste the grains in, in the liquor. So, say I bought say I bought a bottle of Jim Beam, for example, and it says this bottle of Jim Beam's eighty proof. I mean, what does that mean about the alcohol content? Um, it's usually double the percent of alcohol, so it's forty percent alcohol, okay. eighty proof. But I think to be a bourbon, to go into the bottle, it must be eighty proof or above. So you can't have, you know, anything you can't have some than, pussy shit in the yeah. bottle. Basically, that's what we're trying to say here. And, you got to be a man to drink bourbon. And most bourbons, you're gonna see it a ninety proof or above. Okay, so. When you guys go to these distilleries, Dylan, you mentioned it, you can do a uh, tasting. Is there a limit on how much you can drink 
at these tastings? Yeah, so they are bound by Kentucky state law, I believe, on how much liquor they are able to serve a person that goes on a tour. So that's limited. I mean, you're looking, if you want to do a tasting on, say, three different different whiskeys, they're going to give you as like one to one and a half ounces per whiskey. So it's, it's not a lot. Right. And, you, and I think you can have up to like three or four different samples. So it's limited. Okay. You, you can't just go and say, hey, give me, give me, you know, half a cup of this and a cup of that. And yeah, I mean, you can't do that. Okay. So when you're, when you're, you're bumping Dillis distillery to distillery, um, is there by any chance a cooler in the back with some road pops in it? <laughs> and of course the driver's not drinking, but the passengers with a few road pops. I mean, if you're doing it the right way there, there's a, there's a cooler in the back. Okay. A few road pops. Cause I mean, honestly, if I ever went on the bourbon trail, which I'm not a big bourbon guy, but I wouldn't mind going at least once on a guy's weekend, try it out. I'm definitely going to have to have some road pops because I'm not just drinking bourbon. I could probably have a little buzz going in and taste some bourbon. That's fine. But I wouldn't be able to do it, you know, sober. Yeah. Um, from my personal experience, we've been at some of these distilleries taking tours. And some of these distilleries, they have buses, like these mini buses or vans stopping by. I mean, you can book tours where they take you to three different distilleries. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of bachelor parties stopping at these distilleries. You know, it's kind of like a low key, low key for sure kind of bachelor party where you just stop and you take a tour and you do some sampling and things like that. But you know, you bounce around to five or six different distilleries in a day. It can get, you can get pretty gazy. Yeah. Up. You can, you can get pretty buzzed up. Yeah. I mean, we ran into a few bachelor parties that were, were feeling pretty good, but the only thing you're missing from them bachelor parties is, uh, a stripper and a stripper pole, and I'm sure them vans don't have that on there. Well, they probably ventured into that later in the night. This was just kind of a, well, a day process. I definitely would have. Anyway, so when you guys go on these bourbon trail trips, it's a guys' weekend. That's what I, that's what I would call it. Do you? What do you guys do other than say? What is there to do down there in Kentucky besides the bourbon trail? So you stay at a hotel. I mean. What is there to do? I mean, is it boring after that or what? Well, I'll take this one, but the last time I was down on Bourbon Trail, you know, we hit three different distilleries during the day, and they were all within probably 45 minutes to an okay. hour. I was going to ask that. Before we get into the nightlife, how far away are these distilleries? And you kind of said it there, but can you go further on that? Like you said, I mean, Buffalo Trace, Turkey, and Woodford's pretty close by, I think. Our first trip down there, we we tackled those, and they're you know. So how close are we talking? Twenty minute drive, oh, hour. Yeah. yeah, you're talking twenty to thirty minutes between those. Okay, that's not bad, I guess. You kind of have to pick and choose. You so you to- wouldn't want to go to the one on the far end and to the one on the other end. You want to you want to pick two or three that are within an hour all together. Yeah, you you kind of want to either pick your Louisville destination or your Lexington or, or something south of that. Another thing is like a lot of these distilleries, there's a lot of real estate attached to these companies. So it's very rare that you take like an interstate highway in between two distilleries. It's mostly like back roads. They're there. I can see that they're way out in like back country, Kentucky. Yeah, I can see that. And they're kind of off the beaten path where you're just kind of cruising back roads to and from each of these places you know what i mean so back into the nightlife 
we got into that. You guys stay in the hotel. Of course, you're not driving back home. What is there to do when you're done with the trail? Do you go back the next day or do you drive home? I mean, you can you can do it however you want. You know, what's your experience? The the two times I've been down, we have we've taken a tour of three distilleries yep. during the day on like a Saturday or a Sunday, and then we turn around and come right back home. Okay. It's a one day trip, boom, done. But the second time I went down, we visited I think two distilleries on a Saturday. We stayed in a hotel in Louisville that night because Louisville's not that far away from these places. We actually hit up a Leonard Skinner concert. Awesome. In Louisville that night, which was badass. That's a badass trip already. Yeah. Got up the next day, hit two more distilleries, came home. Okay. Which was a good trip. If I was in the shoes on that trip, I don't know if I would have been in the right shape or the right mindset that Sunday morning to go hit two more distilleries. Because I would have went pretty hard at that Leonard Skinner concert. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to say this. We uh we were moving a little slower on Sunday as opposed to Saturday, but still a good trip. Let me ask you this. Pierce, Dylan, what was your favorite song Leonard Skinner played that night? I mean, for me personally, it was probably um, Simple Man. Okay. I think that was one of like the last songs they played. It might have even been the encore. You know, it's a perennial, it's a year-in, year-out Leonard Skinner favorite, but yeah. What about simple, you, Pierce? What was your favorite? You played that. Um, I kind of, I mean, I know the the group that opened up for Leonard Skinner. You liked them better. Well, he was piss poor, like as a singer. Was. What was that group that opened up? I for don't him? remember that. Oh, it was uh, Marshall Tucker Band. Marshall Tucker. He was band. piss poor that night. Huh? Well, he's just he's he, out of his prime. He's he's up there. Okay, he's, he's getting he's up getting there. old. Yeah. Okay. He, he can't hit those high notes anymore. Okay. But he sings a song that. You know, if you can pull it off iTunes or something like that, I, I particularly like that song. I, I can't. I was on my head. But. I want to say it was Heard It In A Love Song. It might be. Yeah, I think so. That was you it. like that guy's song better than Leonard Skinner. <sighs> yeah. I, There's a lot of people who are listening to this right now. It's going to have your ass. I'm going to tell you that right now. Anyways, moving on. Getting out of the distillery. Let's go into the let's go into the store. Let's go into the liquor store. How much is a bottle from the distillery compared to the liquor store? Is it the same price or is it more? It it it's pretty similar. Is it the sim- is it similar? Yeah. Cuz I didn't know if at the distillery you could buy more of an aged bourbon um, well, compared is it all the same? Well, when you can when you go to the distilleries, you can probably find a more unique bottle. Than you probably can at, at your local liquor store, or even within Kentucky, you can probably find something there that is more unique, uh, more rare. I, I'm not talking super rare, but you know something that's got a little more prestige to it. Okay. And the price wise is they may raise the price a little bit, but it's pretty similar. Okay. So I think you guys have answered this already, but I'm going to ask it again. How many times total have you guys been on the trail? Dylan, I think you said you've been twice. TJ, how many times have you been? Uh, at least three times, maybe four. I would say four times. Um, I could go every winter. I mean, I, I enjoy it that much. You like it in the winter? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like drinking bourbon in, Whenever. in the cold environment so okay and, and they're cool to see just their operations the rick houses just the whole property that they have down there um it, it's it, it's unique 
I'll say this too, like when you actually go down, like you visit a distillery and you see the whole process from start to finish, like you see, you know, how the white dog gets made and then you see how it gets stored and then you know, you know how long it's been sitting in the barrel, just aging. And then you see how it comes out of the barrel. Like when you buy a bottle of Jim Beam, for example, and you take that sip of it straight, I don't know, for me personally, it just gives me a better appreciation for the craftsmanship behind how that whole that, that how that whole process took place. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the back to that, the usually with a tour, you get a tasting at the end of it. When you're sitting there doing a tasting, it's just not throwing back a shot of bourbon. I mean, you got to sit there and you got to, you know, have a smell of it and, uh, and then, you know, you sip it once and you, you know, you might have that slight burn at first and might not have all the flavors. And then that second taste or third taste, you know, you're really enjoying it and you're, you're taking all those flavors in. Okay. I hear you say that. And that's why I want to ask this question. Why is it whenever I see you or Dylan or it could be anybody drink a bourbon like they just want to try it? They put it in their mouth and they swoosh it around like all over their teeth. And I mean, is that just how you get the, the taste? I mean, they just swash it around like it's a mouthwash. Yeah, you're chewing the whiskey. You're doing what? You're chewing it. The only thing I choose is grizzly wintergreen powder. You don't have to explain <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, what, you're chewing it. Yeah. You're chewing the whiskey. I mean, that's the terminology behind it. I mean, you're getting all those flavors when you, you swish it around, for sure. So you're saying you don't get the full experience if you just swallow it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you put back a shot. I mean, you're not picking up all those like little subtle grain notes that you typically would if you took your time really you know, savoring the flavor. Okay. Yeah. And, and and like a bottle that you just opened, it's going to be high potent of alcohol. So almost a better taste in bourbon is probably half full type of thing. You you pour that, I mean, you don't have to let that sit there and, you know, breathe is, is what they kind of say is, you know, you, you can you can hit it right off the bat. Along with that, like I had a buddy of mine and he bought me a bottle of bourbon as a housewarming gift. And so he gives me this bottle of bourbon. It's kind of it's kind of a rarer bourbon. It's not something you hear about so so often. And he says, hey, I want you to keep this in the bottle for at least the next 10, 15 years. And then special occasion, we'll bust it out. I want you to let it age a little bit more. And I said, what are you talking about? Age. I said, it's already out of the barrel. And he said, well, you know, you let it sit in the bottle and that makes it a little more flavorful. I said, no, that's. That's not the case, man. Like on the bourbon trail, they explain that whole that whole thing. Like once the whiskey comes out of the barrel and gets put into a bottle and gets proofed down to where they want it to be, the aging process is over with. It's not like wine. You know, wine, you let it sit, you know, a 60, 70 year old wine is going to taste better than a one or two year old wine. That's not the case with bourbon. Once it gets put in a bottle, it's going to taste the same now as it would 30, 40 years from now. So there's no point in, in holding on to a bottle of bourbon and letting it age any longer because the taste is going to be exactly the same. But it's better in the barrel to age. Or did I not understand that? So if you age it in the, you said not the bottle, but if it's in the barrel for years, it'll be better? As it sits in the barrel, 
it's going to go in and out of the barrel. Yeah. And uh, some some bourbons will last, you know, you know, a special bottle like the bourbon tin over here on the shelf. Okay. Or I mean a bullet tin. Bullet tin. Yeah. So that's a 10-year bourbon. So that's sitting in the barrel for 10 years, you know, in and out for 10 years. And then some, some bourbons are, you know, 20 plus years. Well, each, each year, you know, the angels will take a share of it, you know, about 3% through evaporation, you know, that alcohol evaporates. So they're losing that liquid each year. And they call that amount that evaporates the angel share. Angel share. Yeah. That's the terminology for it. When you get a long-term bourbon sitting in the barrel, you could potentially open up a barrel and there might not be enough to even put in a bar- in a bottle just because of, you know, that evaporation process. Yeah. Awesome. It's a hell of a process. Good information, guys. Um, there's two more questions I want to ask. I know you guys have been several times, but will you ever go back? I mean, Pierce, you've been four times. Dylan, you've been twice. Will you guys go back again? Do you, is there a distillery that you haven't hit that you're like, man, I got it. That's on my bucket list. I got to get there. So I feel like I've hit the most popular ones, the ones that, you know, any liquor store in America you walk into, you're going to see these titles, you know, Jim Beam, Buffalo Trace, Woodford Reserve, Wild Turkey, Four Roses. I would like to go back and see some of the smaller, some of the smaller bourbons that maybe nobody, people haven't heard of as often. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm definitely going to go back. But I mean, I'm like kind of like TJ. I mean, I could go, I could go, take a trip down there year after year after once year. a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like to put that in my plan. You know, once a year, it, it's just fun. I mean, so, I mean, it's a good guys weekend. It yeah, it's a like. good guys weekend. Heck, that one time we hit a concert, and you know, we just living life. Maybe the next time you guys could skip the concert and hit a strip club. I heard Louisville's got some bangers down there, and I would like sometime. That somebody would take me to a elegant strip club. I I haven't experienced that. Okay. Well, maybe maybe I should go on the next one. I mean, you could do that. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I got uh, one more question of my own before we move on here. Just thinking back to the old Don McLean song, American Pie. He says, bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys, boys drinking, drinking whiskey, whiskey and rye. rye. Okay. Whiskey and rye. Yeah, so, I didn't say rye. I said something else. I thought so, I said wine. So what is what is rye? Okay. How is rye different from whiskey or different from bourbon? Uh, or is is rye a? It's a it's a component of the formula of the bourbon. Okay, so rye is a grain, just like barley or corn. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So how is rye made? Is it a bourbon? Um, well, they usually use rye in a recipe. I mean, you have to have, back to our regulations, we have to have 51% corn. Well, most distilleries are going to use a part of a rye grain. Now, your Wellers, your Larceny, your Maker's Mark, they don't have any rye. It's just... They just have wheat in there and the malted barley. And the barley just serves as like a, a quicker process. Kind of, they use it like a, I think it's like an enzyme to speed up the process. 
I mean, it may add a little bit of flavor, but the big piece of it is your corn and rye or your corn and wheat. Okay, so say I walk in a liquor store and, you know, there's Jim Beam bourbon and then right next to it, there's Jim Beam rye. What's the difference taste taste wise? A rye whiskey is not a bourbon because they have, for example, that bullet rye over there on our shelf is a 95% rye and the rest is 5% either a mixture of barley and maybe a hair of corn. I'm not sure what their formula is, but a big piece of it is your rye grain. Okay, so I got a, let's say I got a, a, a shot, room temperature, a shot of bullet bourbon and a shot of bullet rye right next to it. Like, what's the difference in taste going to be? Uh, t- Taste-wise, your rye is known for a more spicier taste. Okay. So it's going to burn more going down. Should. Yeah. Yeah. And just because corn, back to the 51% formula of corn, corn is, is kind of sweet as a grain. So versus a rye and a, and a bourbon... If I if you're a listener listening in and you're a newcomer to bourbon, uh, I would suggest you start with a weeded bourbon, um, which is more of a corn and wheat mixture, and it would be a more sweeter, smooth bourbon. So you would start with your Maker's Mark, Larceny, Weller Green, uh, would be a good starter. You wouldn't want to jump right into a rye whiskey or uh, a bullet or a Jim Beam's pretty heavy uh, rye formula. Good question, Dylan. We're going to move on from there. My last question of the night in this segment, and then we're going to move on to what uh, we got on the shelf and what you guys have been drinking during this conversation. Would a beer drinker like myself enjoy the trail? Simple question. Would I enjoy the trail? For sure. I, I think anybody that wants to spend a, a weekend with the boys. Yeah, uh, I love that. I like I like to get away every once in a while and just go with the fellas, have a good weekend. You think I would enjoy it then? You would. We, we would have a good time. Uh, so we'll hit a couple of distilleries. We'll, we'll find some nightlife, spend the night, and then, uh, you know, wherever the night takes us. Um, well, most likely we're going to be up till 4 a.m. partying. <laughs> We'll probably be in a strip club till 4 a.m., get back to the hotel, get about four hours of sleep, get a greasy-ass breakfast out of Denny's, and then uh, hop in the car, and I'm going to sleep all the way home, and that's going to be it. So if if we're with you or we bring you along, yeah. we, we'll probably have to hit the distilleries on day one. Oh, we're definitely, there's two. no day two in my world. <laughs> we're coming home straight after because I'm not going to bed until the sun starts coming up. I'm saying a guy like you... You know, not not that big of a bourbon whiskey guy. Nah. As long as you got a cooler packed, I'll and, have fun. And you're on the trip with some some good dudes, some dudes you enjoy spending time around. You're gonna have you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I'll have a good time, no doubt about it. Okay, guys. So this whole conversation, these guys have been trying different bourbon, and you guys haven't known it. So I'm gonna have these guys explain what's on the shelf, what they've been trying, and uh, we're gonna go from there. So TJ. What do you? What's on the shelf over there, and uh, what's it taste like, brother? Uh, we got on the shelf 
Weller, uh, Green Label, Special Reserve. Uh, about it's under thirty bucks a bottle. We got Bullet, Ten Year. It's probably a more fifty dollar bottle. Bullet Rye, probably about a thirty bucks. Larceny out of Heaven Hill. And then we got Knob Creek. That's barrel strength. That's 120 proof. So that's the big stuff. That's, so that'll 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 burn all the way that'll through. That'll knock you on your ass. So barrel strength, you mean that tastes the same exact way it tastes coming out of the barrel? Oh, it's fucking smooth, boys. That's the way I'd like it. I, I mean it. I mean I, I wouldn't mean, want I, I don't want it strong. You like your bourbon to burn a little bit more than, than I do. I, I do. do you got you guys like it burning a little bit? I wouldn't it smooth. I would want it smooth if I was drinking it. But but some of those high proofers can be smooth. I don't know if you guys are in the same ballpark as me. Probably but. not, because I don't drink bourbon beers. And then in the last bottle we got is Basil Hayden out of Jim Beam Distillery. Um, I, I believe that's an 80 proofer. So out of everything that we got on the shelf, what's your guys' favorite? I mean, we got it all here. There's a lot here on the table tonight. What is your favorite out of what you just talked about? I hit it on earlier. Like it depends on the mood. All right, let me let me ask you this question: What's your favorite tonight while you're recording with us on the Sip and Serve podcast? <laughs> What's your favorite to drink tonight? If you're sipping straight, sipping sipping straight. I I like a bourbon tenure. I I think it's a a premium bourbon, it, and it's it's a go to for me. I and I all I I guess that's more my rye go to is a bull bullet tenure. And then my weeded go-to would be the Weller Green. Good deal. Dylan, what about you? What are you drinking on tonight? What's your favorite? I like my bourbon smooth. I don't like it real spicy going down. So Basil Hayden, uh, Jim Beam makes that, and you can find that in most liquor stores. It's it's really smooth. I would consider that to be a good entry-level bourbon if somebody's out there listening and they're looking for a good starter bourbon to drink straight. It's not a bourbon you're going to want to drink and like mix with pop or something like that. Um, but if you're just looking for something to sip straight, I think Basil Hayden's a good one to get started on. All right. Thanks for the information, fellas. Hopefully you, the listeners, will enjoy that conversation. I know I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, here on the podcast, we're just trying to branch out. We don't want to do the same segments over and over again. Trust me. We have plenty more off-the-wall topics coming in the weeks to come, so stay tuned for those. Now, last but not least, it's time for the staple of the Sip and Serve podcast, the listener questions and the question of the week. Don't forget to submit your questions for next week, episode four. You can send them in by email, message the Facebook page, or DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We aren't going to waste any more time with this. Let's hop right in. Tonight... I will be reading the questions, and our guest TJ will be jumping in on the fun as well. First question from Josh A. If you could compare yourself to any animal, what would it be? Yeah, I I chose the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> the turtle. Okay. The turtle. Uh, let me lead off that. Uh, they enjoy the water, which I do as well, and then they like to bask in the... Uh, hot summer days you know sitting out there sunbathing and uh you guys always say i'm i'm a little slow so uh 
No pun intended there. So my question is, you're a turtle. You like you said you like to bask in the sun in the summertime. What about the wintertime? What are you doing? What are you doing then? Uh, you got to hibernate and uh, drink a little bourbon. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you mean, said you like to drink bourbon. Yeah, lead too. off our, our segment number two today. Fair enough. We got a bourbon drinking turtle over here. Bourbon drinking turtle in the winter, baby. All but right. he's, sun, he's sunbathing in the summer, don't forget. He's got a nice rosy glow going on. Oh, my God. What about you, Dylan? So, I know it sounds cliche, and I tried to drill down on this one, but I'm going to go with the East African ring-tailed lemur. (laughs) (laughs) Cliche. The what? The East African ring-tailed lemur, just because, you know, personality-wise, they're calm, they're quiet. Uh, But, you know, every now and then they they can get squirrely. So... Plus, they're world they're world class tree climbers, so there you go. You can climb a tree pretty well. You don't, you don't want none. Okay, so when I think about the question you just answered, you said a lemur. What the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. I've been to the zoo. Yeah, but I don't look for the lemur. I go straight to the lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my, the monkeys. I like to go in the bird cage where they land on your shoulder and you get a little nectar. I'm not looking for a lemur, dude. Everybody's going for the, oh, what about the penguins? I don't want it. What's a lemur? What is a lemur? That's the thing. The lemur is flying under the radar in the zoo. What is it? Which is what I'm doing in life. Okay. Hit, hit. Oh, no, I like that. I like that. Let's branch off that. What? So, the lemur. I know how you are in real life. The best way I can describe a lemur to you is if you mix a raccoon and a squirrel together. There's your lemur. You okay. got a lemur. Okay. I like right? it. Pierce, what do you have to say about that? I just think the listeners want to hear that full term name of his character again. Yeah, I want to hear that again. The too. East African ringtail lemur. They're mostly native to Madagascar, which is an island right off of the coast of East Africa. God, he's so smart. But there's also a lot that are that live that reside in East Africa. So boom, that that's my spirit animal. Okay, well, I'm gonna keep it pretty simple. I'm not going no East African bullshit. If I could compare myself to any animal. I'd compare it to something that's tall and lanky. Looks to have um, a terrible posture and not very fast moving. If speed or quickness is needed, I can provide that when I want to. I could kick it into high gear if I needed to. With that being said, I'm going to pick a giraffe. A giraffe. If I compare myself to any animal, it's going to be a giraffe. I'm not even shitting you. When I was thinking about the animal you would pick for this question earlier today, I thought giraffe in my head. Okay. So they got some quickness, don't they? That's what I said. Okay. They don't look like they can, but if I have to, I can kick it into high gear. I can I can move if I have to. But I don't like to, but I can. Also, what are the giraffes known for? Their long necks. The long neck. And I got terrible posture. So when people tell me to stand straight up. Like if, if I'm walking on a regular day, I'm probably six foot tall. But when I stand straight up and stretch my neck out to where it possibly can be, dude, I'm like six, two or three. I, mean, I grow two or three inches like that. So giraffe it is. Solid. Yeah. Question two from Caleb. Would you rather lose your eyesight or tightrope over a volcano? I had a tough, 
time with this one because I lean towards the tightrope over the volcano because I was like, well, how far can we tightrope or stand on this rope? Can I take a step and just grab that son of a bitch and, and haul ass with my arms? Like commando style, well, this, like hand over okay. hand, I hanging like, from I it. like what you're thinking. Does that count? I don't think that counts. When I think of tightroping is with your feet only. I, that's what I... Because if I would have done it, I know it would have hurt, but I would have made it. I would have put it right between my legs and scooted. I don't. I would have had burn in between my gooch area, but I would have made it. I would have scooted across that rope. And I would have done that if I could, but I was thinking tightrope on your feet only. Yeah, and that's kind of how I led into it was I have to have my feet on the rope. Yep, have to. So... With that being said, I have to go with you're, you're, you're no going eyesight. No eyesight, yeah. Because if I, you know, I take one step on that rope, I'm gone. I'm dead. You're dead. I'm in the lava. You're done. You're dust. Although my eyes have seen a lot of great things in this world, but I have to say no eyesight. Okay, I agree. So you're not <laughs> even risking the volcano walk. I am not. Okay. Well, for me, first of all, both of these options just flat out suck. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's why it's a good question. Yeah, it is. But I have some questions. I was hoping, Rolski, you could I'll answer. provide me some guidance on this question. Bring it my way, First brother. of all, how wide is the rope? I'm going to say just a regular uh, light tan twine rope. I'm going to say it's probably an inch. With? No, uh, let, let's say it's let's say it's two inches. Okay, two inch wide I mean, that's rope. Still not a. That's, go ahead. I know, but do I get like do I get one of those poles that can help me balance balance myself like a big pole that I can carry that helps me balance myself? No, we're talking straight circus, man. You're walking on your feet on this rope. Okay. I mean, I'll let you have one. Okay. I'll let you have one too, but at the end of it, I still think you're going to come into freaking dust particles. Let me have the let me have the pole. Okay, you can have uh, the. My pole. next question is, how far do I have to walk? I mean, are we talking uh, like a half a mile? A volcano is pretty big, brother. Give me I, a, give me a. I'm distance. going to say fifty yards, half a football field. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's going to be longer than that. Yeah, I'm sure it is too. But I'm just off the top of my head. I mean, fifty yards, man. That's a that's a pretty wide. Walking on a rope. I get that. Do I have time to practice? No. We're so going. It's right now. We're going. I mean, if it happened right now today. If we had a volcano outside. Outside, we're doing it. Blind me. Okay. Blind me. I, tough question. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's, it's... We don't put bad questions on the questions of the week. I mean, we just don't. So, we've had so many questions submitted, but we picked the best. So, Caleb, great question. My turn. Um, when I think about this question, I think losing your eyesight would be one of the worst things possible that could ever happen to somebody. And to all the people out there that are suffering from, you know, blindness, we feel for you because I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was blind. Here's the kicker. My balance isn't very good, boys. You know, I'll walk down the sidewalk. I trip over something. You know, I'm walking in my basement and it's carpet and I trip on something. So I, I, I can't balance myself on a freaking tightrope. And I don't even have to be drunk. 
Like if I'm drunk, my balance is absolutely freaking terrible. But if I'm sober, it's still it's still not good. It's not up to par of what a regular person would be. Even if I'm sober, I'm stumbling over into this volcano. And like I said earlier, I'm just becoming a pile of shit in this volcano. I'm just getting spit out. And I, I mean, my life's gone. Well, you're, you're gone or you're dead. Absolutely. So I'm tight roping over a lava-filled volcano. Most likely, actually, I know it's a fact that it's a death sentence for my ass. You know, I'm dead. There's, there's, there's no way around it. I'm dead. So, it's life or death on this one. I think I'd go losing my eyesight and just have to adapt to it. So, I'm losing it. Next question. Jordan, if you had the talent and could play any sport professionally, which sport and position would you play? Great question, by the way. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this question. And and the sport I would choose would be baseball. And the position would be the closing pitcher. Because there's no greater feeling than, you know, shooting the shit with your bullpen buddies out there in center field. And then, you know, that phone rings and baby... You're in, baby. It's time to shut shine. them down. You got time your, to shine, plus motherfucker. The, the closer's got his own intro music, right? Yeah, oh, he does. And and that's the best part as well. You're like the rock star of the pitching staff. Yeah. Wow, dang! Mm. You make my heart sing. You make my heart sing. Yeah, that's wild thing. You could be the wild thing, Pierce. What team would you play for? Uh, tough question. Uh, the Reds needs a little bit of help. And Ever the since they lost Chapman, our uh, closer, I mean, he's been all right, but I would rather have Chapman back in the day. What about you, Dylan? I mean, Chapman can throw gas. You know, I'm cool with Frysell Iglesias. He, no, he no. comes in, he closes the door. I don't I, know how many blown saves he had last year. Not very many. I like him. He's solid. I know. I like Potential him. Potential all-star. No, I, I, I don't have a problem with him at all, but if I had to pick between the two, I want the guy who just comes in and just throws straight fucking gas, brother, and nothing else. A slider here and there, but just straight gas, smoke the batter, sit their ass down, let's go home. That's what I want as a closer. Fair enough, man. I I mean, there's a lot of uh, pressure on that position, but based on this question, it said that I had the talent. So Yeah, you got the talent. You're doing what you want. Yeah. So if you have the talent, then you can throw gas. Yeah, I got the heat. Yeah, you can bring it. So, closer, is that your answer? That's my answer. Final answer? It's a great pick, Pierce. Great pick. You locking that in? Yeah, and I got a mean changeup, too. (laughs) I like it. Any movement? I I like it. it. It's got some movement, left and right. Okay. Good deal. Dylan, what you got? So, when I was considering this question... My first thought was professional rugby player. Oh, for fuck's sake. Because I don't know if you've watched professional rugby. Or yeah, they're badass. Olympic rugby. Yeah, they're badass. Those boys are straight savages. And, you know, let me let me just interrupt here. When I think of rugby, I think of big, built, strong men. And you are big. You're built. You're a strong man. You're a CrossFit guy. Well, he was until Corona hit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he'd been out of the gym for a little bit. But listen, I don't... 
when I you I know it says you got the talent, but do you have the mindset to go out there and just smash somebody and just beat the hell out of them, Dylan? If I have the talent, that's why I said. If I have the talent and the capability to do that, yeah. then I think the mindset, yes, would follow. Good deal. So go on. I'm sorry, but as bad as I would, as bad as I want to be a professional rugby player, I love basketball more. You know, I just I have a love for basketball. I always have. I know. Now I love baseball too. Love baseball. I loved high school baseball. I played a year or two in college, and I love college baseball. But mainly, that was because of the guys I was playing with and the coach I was playing for. Yep. But I feel like as far as professional, I'd have to go with the NBA and I have to and I have to be a point guard. And the reason I'm choosing the point guard position is because I've never been a scorer. I've never had a knack for scoring. I've always been more of a facilitator. So I feel like that would be my position, point guard, NBA. What team? I mean, you kind of caught me off guard there, but Minnesota Timberwolves, just because, number one, Minnesota's not that far of a drive from Ohio, so my parents could come and watch me play. And also, number two, because I'm a big Ohio State Buckeyes fan, and my boy Gator Bates Diop is a Timberwolf, so I could go and play for him as well. Okay. Good answer. I I would have to choose to play for Popovich, you know, the San Antonio Spurs. Why's that? I mean, he's that boy's a legend. No, he absolutely is. I'm not arguing that. Um, if I had to pick a team, you all know my team would be the Lakers. So I'm going to go ahead and answer Jordan's question. And I know this answer might come as a surprise to some people, but just hear me out on this one. I love the NBA. I love basketball, just like Dylan. I grew up around it. I'm sure it'd be awesome to be a part of that, the whole NBA lifestyle. But I've played basketball my entire life. If I had to pick something, I'd rather do something that I've never had the chance to do before. I want a talent that I didn't have in real life. I'd like to I'd like to be an MLB starting pitcher. I've never been good at baseball. When I played in Little League, all I ever did was strike out and lay down a bunt. That's it. Yeah. That's all I ever did. I'm calling bullshit because I remember you hitting a straight bomb. Now, well, this... well, God damn it. Let me get to it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what leg was this? This was a ball. A ball, son. Just he, let me get to it. Was it a bomb? Was... Yeah. L- let well, him go. Let hey, him go. Yeah. A fucking bomb, son. <laughs> so <laughs> before all that, I wanted to get to this. I always had respect for all my buddies who had success in baseball because, honestly, it's not an easy sport to be good at. Baseball is probably the hardest sport ever. Anyways, I want to be on the mound as a starting pitcher. Commander. Yeah. I mean, I think about it. What do you do as a starting pitcher? You pitch one game a week. Say, give them average six innings a week. After you're done pitching your game, you basically just chill and root on your teammates until your next start. Sit in the outfield, put a damn hog leg in your lip, and just fucking relax, man. You're not doing anything else. You pitch one game a freaking week. 
If I could have any talent, I'd be a starting pitcher. I'd have a fucking flamethrower as an arm, zinging 100 mile per hour piss missiles straight to the batter, striking his ass out. And if that didn't work, I'm going to have a curveball from hell just sitting in my back pocket whenever I needed it. I could see you as a starting pitcher in the major leagues making a start, knowing that you're not going to have to work for the next five days and just going out that night that you started and just tying one on. Getting fucking blitzed. Not kidding. I mean, I'd be blitzed. And honestly, if I could get away with it, I might try some of your guys' bourbon. I'd get a bullet tin full of a, uh, what do they call them things? Flask. Flask. I'd have it in my back pocket out there in the bullpen just sipping on them. And i tell you what, them fans, if you're at an away game, they'd like to give the bullpen hell. I'd be giving them the finger. I'd be cussing right back at them. They wouldn't fuck with me. That's what I'd be doing. John Rocker style. You know what, John Rocker? I wanted to bring him up. Pierce, you want to be a closer. And you, I mean, I know I mentioned Wild Thing earlier, but John Rocker's probably one of the. I know he, he's, he's went through a lot of trouble in his life. He's gotten a lot of trouble. He did a lot of bad things. I'm not, I'm not hyping John Rocker up, but he, he was a bad motherfucker when he ran on that field. He sprinted from the <laughs> outfield and that music played. He sprinted. But, anyways, going back to Little League. I'm not trying to brag here, guys. I mean, I struck out a lot. I laid down a lot of bunts, but there's two freaking dingers that I can remember. We were in A-ball, and you guys were the older guys on our team. We were playing the Bulldogs, and one of their best players was pitching, and I didn't have a chance in hell, man. I mean, I I think I was sitting the bench for, like, the first four innings, and I came in for, like, the last two. And your, in your defense, he threw gas. Oh, I know. And all I did was just – Close my eyes. I was down 0-2. Like, he just gassed me, and I was about to cry because this guy was winging them in there. And all I did, I just said, Clay, just sit it here, close your eyes, lift that <laughs> leg up, dig in the dirt, and just swing that bat as hard as you can. And, TJ, when I tell you this, you were on the team, and I can't believe you don't remember. It was on my birthday, July 9th. That motherfucker threw that ball so hard, and it was up by my chest, up by my neck. I just swung as hard as I could. I had my eyes closed. I hit that son of a bitch off the top of the press box out in center field. I mean, dead center off the middle of the freaking press box. Dylan, I'm glad you remember because I was going to tell this story. I'm 31 years old, and I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Dude. That, you said you said chest high. I'm thinking that was more like chin to nose. Whatever. He threw a high fastball straight down the pike, and I said, I'm swinging at anything. I don't care if it was in the dirt, I'll swing. I was down 0-2. I had nothing to lose. You tomahawked that bitch right I out I tomahawked that motherfucker straight off the fucking top of the press box, and that press box was 25, 30 feet beyond center field fence. And this was on the A-ball field? You're damn right. A-ball. Okay. I was like ninth batter. Like I was the worst player on the team, and I just stood up there about ready to cry because this guy was throwing – Fucking straight piss missiles at me, and I just knocked it straight down center field. Anyways, that's my that's my answer. I want to be a starting pitcher for the MLB because I only work one day a week. I get paid a gazillion dollars to be the best pitcher, and that's that. Next question. This is from Taylor. In a one-on-one basketball game between you two, Rolski and DG, who would come out victorious? Pierce, lead us off. Yeah, who do you think? Who do you think would win? Uh, man, you guys put me on the spot. It's all right. Speak uh, from the heart, brother. 
You're the guest of the show. You, you know, got to answer you the know question. both of us. Yeah, I do. But you guys are both my buddies, my pals, my. Uh... Oh, okay, Pierce. Well, we're gonna stop with that kind of talk because me and Dylan really <laughs> don't give a shit about the heart heartfelt uh, answer here. Just tell us who you think would win a basketball game. Damn it! All right, I'm gonna give it to DG. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to him. I mean, he's got. He's got the age on you. He's got the power. He's going to bring it. He's going to take it to the house. He's going to outpower you. So I respect your opinion. You think my strength is going to play strength? Play a play a factor. Yeah. Okay. Well, on my end, I'm asking. I'd like to ask Taylor. Is this? us going out in the driveway right now playing one-on-one or is this like in your prime and my prime? I'm going to say, I mean, what, what do you want it to be as? I'm, I say in our prime, okay. your, your prime was probably when you were 18 as a senior. No, my prime was probably when I was 20, 21, uh, 25. You think? Maybe. I, I, I was a late bloomer. I'm so. gonna I'm gonna take my prime as 21 years old. And I I totally agree with that. I feel like our prime could be more than we were in high school. Well, I, I, I totally mean, agree yeah, with that. I agree, but I didn't know Dylan. I mean, we we went our separate ways in college. You went to college. I was still playing high school basketball, so I didn't know what you were doing. So that's why I said 18 because that's the last time I seen you play. I'm going to tell you this. I feel like I played my best basketball my junior and senior year intramurals in college. Okay. I I went to a couple of the college open gyms, and I competed. I mean, I was right in the thick of things, and I felt like I was going to go in there and get embarrassed, but I was keeping right up. So, you know, I feel like I hit my peak a little bit later, but anyway, back to the question. Um so let's just say you're 21 and I'm 21 in our peak. Okay. So I've never And we're playing an indoor gymnasium. Okay. Like I said in a, in an earlier question, if you had the talent and could play any sport professionally, which sport and position would you play? I mentioned in that question that I've never been a scorer. And I haven't. I've never been. I've never been a scorer. I've never had a knack for putting the ball in the bucket. And did you see me smirk while you're answering that question? No, I didn't. Did you see me smile at all? No, I didn't. Okay, go ahead. The only thing I can do offensively, the only skill that I had, is I could shoot a little bit. And I was a I was a spot shooter. I was a catch and shoot kind of guy. I was a catch, maybe one or two dribbles either direction and shoot. That was it. If somebody was playing me for the shot and made me put it on the floor and take it to the hole, it was no good for me. I agree. Because in high school, I was, you know, barely 160 pounds soaking wet. I'd go up in midair. I'd get bumped a little bit. It would I, it would knock me so far off balance, I wouldn't be able to score, and that no foul would be called because it was there wasn't enough contact to call a foul. So, I mean, I've never been a good scorer, and I feel like you know that about me. You know that about me. You know that I'm a shooter. So if we were playing one on one, you would play me. You would be playing me for the shot. And your lanky ass down there, you're so long and lanky that you'd make it tough for me 
to beat you on the dribble. So I have that working against me. Now, the other part of this is I've always been more of a defensive-minded player. I've always taken more pride in my defense than my offense. So that being said, I think I could play good enough defense to keep it competitive. However, I don't think I could I don't think I could score often enough to beat you head to head one on one. I'm gonna give the edge to you on that. Okay. One. Well, here's the thing. Um I I heard you answer your NBA question and I started smirking over here and I was thinking in my head like, okay, no, that's about what I was about to say about you in our one on one question. So let me answer it. Myself I'm I'm a pretty confident person when it comes to basketball, so of course I'm going to say I would win the game, okay? Because if you go into a game with a losing mindset before it even starts, you're most likely going to get your ass kicked. Am I right about that? Yeah. You gotta have, you gotta be positive going right. into the game. But if I had a reason on why I think I could beat you, I would say is because you were a point guard. You had one job. You, facilit- you facilitated and ran the offense to a T when we played together. That was your job. Your job wasn't to score. Your job was to get assist and get us um, a bucket when we needed it if you were open. Right? You said you were a shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So, you were a facilitator, and what was I? I was a score first player. You were a scorer. You never, you never looked to score when you first got the ball. You always wanted to give it up and get into the offense. And that's what I respected about playing with you. I loved it. But I was always a score first player. Most of the time, I had one job. And the job was to put the damn ball in the hole. That's what it was. I wasn't that good on defense. Um, I didn't rebound a lot because I was, I was skinnier in hell than big guys just pushed me out of the paint. But I could pass when I wanted to. If I was driving to the hole and someone opened, I could make a great pass for him to make a shot. But my job was to score, and you had a, and you had a knack for scoring. I mean, yeah, thousand point score in high school, thousand point score in college. I mean, you're skilled at putting the ball in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had a scoring mindset. Every time I touched the damn ball, my first thought was always, "Can you score right now?" Or if you can't, give it up. So with that being said, um, I think I could win because I could just outscore you, and one on one, honestly, that's the goal is to outscore your opponent, and I just think I could outscore you. So you pretty much answered the question for me, and that was my answer. Yeah. No, hey, no argument here. No. Pierce, great answer. I love your opinion. I mean, I feel like you're a little bit biased because you and I, we're in the, we're in the same class. You know, we played ball together all through the years. We graduated together. So I feel like you're a little bit biased towards me, but I mean. I am. Rolski's, I am biased. Towards him, probably just because you're right. We're in the same grade. Yeah, I mean, you grew up with him, right? You so grew up I, playing with him. You didn't grow up playing with me. I played with you for one year. It cracked. It's fine, Pierce. No hard feelings. All right, moving on. Now it's time for the question of the week. The wait is over. Listeners on your feet. It's time. For the question of the week, brought to you by the Sip and Serve Podcast Studio. A two-time winner, reclaiming the title. He goes by the name of Austin. Oh, 
Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or 10 horse-sized ducks? TJ, lead us off. Whoa. Let me read that again. Repeat, please. (laughs) Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or 10 horse-sized ducks? I'm still trying to analyze that question. But, I mean, a horse has to be more than 10 times bigger than a duck. I would say... Yeah. At easy. Least, at easy. least. Okay. At least. I'd say probably 20. So, I'm leaning towards taking the 100 duck-sized horses. Okay. As, as my competition. Okay. How are you going to fight them off? Uh, I, mean, I mean, good question. Do I mean do I have a a device or a, no, a it's, weapon? It's, it's hands and feet, hands, brother. Hands, okay. Hands and you're and in feet. a thirty by thirty pen. Whoa. Thirty, 30 by thirty, 30 pen. pen. I mean, we're just not letting setting them free. Well, the last the last question Austin asked about the hordes of the pissed the pissed off five year olds. Yeah. We said that was a thirty by. I 30. think it should be a thirty by thirty again. Standard. Is that fair? Standard. We're throwing. We're throwing this time. I, this time, I think we should ju- just unleash a hundred on him. Like we're opening up the pen, and there's a hundred duck-sized horses just running straight at you. Or they might not come at you. I mean, but you got to fight them all off. Yeah, I've always been a horse guy. Okay. I mean, I've enjoyed horses. I mean, I'm I'm sure I could, you know, maybe tame them. Maybe oh, so you're, a you're horse going, whisper. You're going to try to whisper to them. You're going to try to make friends with them. That's a good way to get your ass kicked. You might be right, but uh, I mean, I treat a duck as like a geese. I mean, I hate geese, man. They're, man, they're just mean as shit. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I don't know if a duck is as mean as a, a goose. But <laughs> well, no, 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 but, but no, but let's roll with this. No, this is how I this is how I thought of it. These are pissed off ducks, and this, these are pissed off horses. Like they're not they're not in there to be whispered to, brother. They're in there to I fight. They're in there to fight. They're in there to attack your ass. What can you do? So you still going with the? Uh, I'm going with the hundred duck sized horses to fight. To fight. Okay. So, you have any tactics? Yeah, how you plan on fighting off a hundred duck-sized horses? I mean, there's a hundred of them, dude. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, Dutch rub slash. Uh, <laughs> you know uh, what the hell's a Dutch rub? <laughs> a knuckle rub on the head. You know. <laughs> oh fuck, dude! You're gonna eat knuckle rub in a hundred beer. You ain't knuckle rubbing a hundred fucking horses. You gotta get one at a time, <laughs> dude. With these, with your knuckle rubbing these horses, they're kicking the shit out of you every you got, time. You got one. You got one of these things in a headlock. Not, what are you gonna dust do? rubbing them? What are you gonna do with the you 99, 99 other ones nipping at your heels? All right. Bro. Well, I'm gonna take out a couple. I mean, how you doing it? I mean, you said I didn't have a weapon. You don't. Okay. So how you gonna do? You just gonna? I'm gonna you know, put them to sleep. How? Choke him. <laughs> uh, two at a time. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> He's not surviving this horde. I can tell you that right now. Woo! Uh, oh shit, Dylan, what you got? That was that was hey, well, well Pierce, thought out. Pierce, <laughs> you're getting trampled, dude. I hate to tell you, you're getting your ass trampled. Go well, ahead, Dylan. All right. So, like like TJ, I had I had a few questions. Um, my first was, are they coming after me? You already answered that question. Yes, they're coming after me. They yeah. are pissed off. Yeah, all right? of them. Okay. Do they want like five year olds? Do they want to hurt me? It sounds like yes, they want to hurt me. Um, are they trying to kill me? It sounds like yes, they're trying to kill me. So this is a life and death situation. Which one are you picking? Well, do I just have to fight them off until they leave, or do I have to like kill them? I think it's kind of like the five year olds. You don't have to kill them because we don't condone violence on animals or children. I think you just got to put them down enough to where they're not going to bother you anymore. So either that? stun them to the point where they don't want to mess with yeah, you anymore. Yep. Uh, uh, or you hurt them enough to where they're, like, in, they're you incapacitated. Might, yeah, you might broke their leg or their wing and they're done. Okay. And, I don't, and I don't have any weapons. Oh, he's back. Well, I, I mean, at first I was the horse whisperer type of thing. Apparently I wasn't able to do that. Well, they're trying to kill you, dude. You're I, not going to talk them down. Okay. I don't see how okay. you have time to stop and the first one that gets to you just whisper in his ear and sub, hey. subdue him that hey, way. Hey, little pony. Are you okay? <laughs> Let me pet you real quick. No, we're not doing that shit, Pierce. Uh, These things are trying to kill you. Yeah. Can I wear boots? Of course. Okay. You can wear whatever you want. No armor. You're in regular clothes, but I'll give you boots. Okay, so I got boots on. My, my next question is a question that TJ asked it's well he it's a point that he brought up ducks aren't as aggressive as geese especially canadian geese i mean they are territorial as hell i agree i mean when you got one of them things hissing at you running at you you want to get out of there and i know they don't have they don't they're really there's nothing they really can do to you but they're intimidating they are have you ever been down Yachtangy Park feeding yeah. feeding bre- bread to the ducks? Local town, little park area with a pond. These things are vicious. You invade on their territory, bro. They're not going to take kindly to that. Oh, they hit that. <laughs> yeah. The hissing. That's, yeah. They're coming at you. Wings spread. They're intimidating. Protecting so, their young. But I don't think ducks are that territorial. Ducks aren't that as that aggressive. Um the other thing I considered in answering this question is horses can kick, bro. They can kick and they can bite. A horse bite, I've never personally been kicked or bitten by a horse, but I've talked to people who have, and they say it's not a it's not a picnic. It's not a good feeling. So I considered that in my answer as well. Now, ducks don't have fangs. They don't have large talons. Um, but I think that they can be spooked easier than a horse like you can spook a duck easier than you can a horse horses don't like to be spooked though yeah i I got friends with horses and they don't like to be ran up on at all i'd say either ones probably both can be spooked yeah yeah i just feel like you got a hundred duck-sized horses underfoot that's going to trip you up i agree and you're not going to have enough you're having you're not going to have much room to maneuver in that situation so i think i'm going to take the 10 horse-sized ducks on this one. Okay. And that's I'm going to lock that in as my final answer. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it the fuck in. My turn. 
Once again, Austin, you're back with the question of the week with his off-the-wall questions. Keep them coming, brother. Don't forget to bring the heat next week to reclaim the gold. Or, listeners, take him off his high horse. No pun intended. Um, All I want to say is I don't think I have a chance in hell against either of these. I'm just going to get that off my chest. I'm probably going down either way, 100 duck-sized horses or 10 horse-sized ducks. But um, if I had to pick one that I don't think that I could go against, it's going to be the 10 horse-sized ducks, and here's why. I th- You guys already mentioned this. I mean, everybody's got it in their head. We've all maybe not have been chased by one, but have you seen somebody get chased by a duck or a goose? Basically the same thing. Not really, but kind of. Imagine a duck or a pissed off goose as big as a fucking horse chasing you. I mean, these things are, I don't know, where they stand. A duck probably stands two foot tall. A goose is probably, what, four with their long ass neck? Imagine a horse, a goose or a duck the size of a freaking horse chasing you through the park or a lake. Say you're out on a canoe or something. And these things just come out of the water and they're flapping their wings. Imagine if it was the size of a horse. Did you guys think of that? Because I don't like the goose as it is when it's four foot tall. And if he's the size of a horse, man, I'm shitting down my leg. I mean, I'm probably passing out from excitement right then and there. Yeah, man. Those things are freaking vicious. We can all agree on that, right? And can you imagine 10 of them the size of a horse chasing you? Or imagine this. You're in that 30 by 30 pen. And they're flying over top of you. There's 10 of them the size of horses. I forgot about that yeah. That whole thing. They can fly. Yeah. Now, listen to me. Let me roll. We're in this 30 by 30 pen, so I'm kind of sheltered. You know, I'm buckling down. I'm watching these things. They're just flying. You know how ducks fly in a V? So say they're flying in a circle now. Like buzzards. Yeah. And they're, they're just waiting on me. They're waiting on the right move. Say one comes down and gets me off balance. Now the other comes down and knocks me down. And then here come the eight more. Bam, right on top of me, pecking me, flapping me, shitting all over me. Dude, gooses love to shit. Can you imagine the turd of a horse-sized duck or goose? That's enough to suffocate you. No, but think about it. You got 10 of them over top of you, and they're just laying turds on you. That's like their, that's like their first defense. Let's just, let's just shit all over this guy. Bam, and I'm like out of my way, and then bam, here they come. 10 of them, whap, down on me. Just pecking the shit out of me, flapping all over me. Now, listen. That's that's my duck explanation. Horses. There's a hundred of them. Open the pen. You ever you ever heard of the horse stampede? I mean, there's they're stampeding all over me, dude. I mean, they're they're blitzing me. I'm not able to fight off these horses. There's a hundred of them. Yeah, they're the size of a duck. But I'm sitting there. I'm punching. I'm kicking. I don't know enough WWE WWE moves to lay on these horses to get them off of me. I'm not good at karate. I'm not good at jujitsu. I can't do anything. Okay. So these things are just coming at me. Like you said, they bite, they kick. So say I punch, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all over the first 10 that come in the first 10. I'm all over them. I knock them down. Here comes 90 more all over me, man. 90 more kicking me, biting me. I can't take a hundred. I, I just, I wouldn't be able to do it. So either way, either way, I'm fucked. I'm not surviving this. And I said at the beginning, I'm done. I'm dead to rights either way. I agree with you. But I think I'm going to go with Pierce on this one because this is the only reason. 
They're the size of a duck. They're small. They're weaker. Their kicks won't hurt as much. And their bites won't hurt as much. So I'm thinking I could at least fight off, I don't know, 40 of them before they take me over. 30? I don't know. But these these horse-sized ducks, man, they're fucking me up. They are taking me down. They're not letting me back up. They're going to swarm me. They're flying over me. They're swarming me. I'm done. They land on me. Can you imagine 10 horses landing on top of you and just boom, you're done? No. I don't want to imagine it. (laughs) That's my answer. I'd rather I'd rather go down with the horses and have a chance at it. I'm not taking my chances on a uh, horse-sized duck. That's it. That'll do it for us. That's the end of our show. Hope you all enjoyed listening. Don't forget to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Sip and Serve Pod and like us on Facebook. Our email is sipandservepod at gmail.com. Send in those questions for episode four. I just want to say thank you to TJ Pierce, our special guest this week. Appreciate you coming out, supporting the podcast. Good info. I'm DG. I'm just along for the ride. Thanks, Pierce. I'm Rolski. Stay hot, stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Sip and Serve Podcast. <laughs>